0: And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message.
1: We all worship something. Every single person in here, all of us worship something. There's an NBA player named P.J. Tucker. He owns 5,000 pairs of sneakers, one pair of diamond-crested Air Jordan 1s that are estimated to to be around $250,000. I do not own a pair of shoes like that. Uh, The 29th Sultan of Brunei has the largest private car collection in the world, 7,000 cars estimated at over $5 billion. I feel good when mine is running, all right? So $5 billion worth of cars. Now you say to yourself this morning, well, Matt, I'm a very modest person. I don't spend a lot of money. I like to hold on to things. I I, I find my value in some of the non-material things in life. Well, I would say this to some people. uh, Some of you worship your kids. I've seen it. Some of you worship your spouse. You're like, no, not that one some worship their jobs. Some people worship recognition or achievement, while other people worship their hobbies. And there will people that will easily sacrifice worship to God for these other idols and these other things that they've built up in their lives. So essentially what I believe, myself and you guys as well, we are what we worship. Over time, we become what we worship. And if you want to know what a person, a person worships, if you want to know what the most significant things are to a person most of the time, you need to look no further than their calendar and their bank account. If you can look at those two things right there, you have a pretty good idea of the personification of priorities in an individual's life. Now we know that a lot of these priorities are absolutely necessary. Uh, we have to work Of course, we not only have to take care of our kids, but we should love our kids. We should be family people. But where is God in the equation and what does worship look like? That's what we've been talking about for six weeks now. So, our mission at Believers Church is to help broken people, hurting people from a variety of different places in their lives. Come into a relationship with Jesus. Helping broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. Our first core value is formation or spiritual formation. And this is to become students of Jesus or to learn how to live like Jesus lived. Every spring and fall, we take four to ten weeks and we focus on what is called a spiritual discipline. Now the goal is to take this spiritual discipline and and deeply implement it, not for the purpose of information, but for the purpose of transformation into our lives, okay? Spiritual disciplines include, if you're not familiar with this kind of language, prayer, scripture, worship, fasting, serving, giving, hospitality, practicing Sabbath, silence and solitude, and much, much more. In the fall, if you were with us, we focused on giving, and what we're focusing on this spring, ending today, is worship, So one more recap, real quick, we're in our final week. This is where we've been the previous five weeks. If you want to go back and listen to the podcast, I highly encourage you to do so. You can get some information and some learning on what we've been talking about. In week one, we defined worship. In week two, we discussed worship as a way of life, that it's not something that we just do on Sundays, but it's a a 24-hour-a-day, or at least while we're awake, uh, posture that we carry. In week three, we taught the Jesus approach to worship. We talked about Jesus and the woman at the well, worshiping in spirit and truth. In week four, we discussed the importance of corporate worship or worshiping together as a body. And last week, we covered worship and the table or communion, the Lord's Supper. And in our final week, we are going to discuss today worship and giving. Now, when I, I never let people know when I'm going to talk about giving because they don't come to church when I talk about giving. So today we're going to talk about worship and the importance of giving. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, if you want to turn there. This is just a, this is just a wonderful story. And those of you who were maybe in church whenever you were kids, you know, that you know the song about the wee little man? The wee little man was he, and he climbed up in the what? The sycamore tree? Right. For the Lord he wanted to see. There you go. Okay, some good Sunday school kids. All right, so that's what we're going to talk about today, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, and we're going to look at Zacchaeus. And, and you've probably never considered this story in the light of worship, if it's a story that you're really familiar with. So we're going to take a very interesting angle on this story today. So it's Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. If you have your Bible and want to turn there, you can. If you want to follow on the screen, that's perfectly fine, too. Use your phone. You can even make notes in your phone. So this is where we are. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through town. A man there named Zacchaeus, a ruler among tax collectors, was rich. That rich part is really important. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore tree so that he could see Jesus who was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to that spot, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, and I know some of you are dying to go, Zacchaeus, you come down. Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay at your home today. So Zacchaeus came down and at once was happy to welcome Jesus. Everyone who saw this grumbled, saying, and this is all the religious people, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I have given half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone, I'll repay them back four times as much. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this household, because he too is a son of Abraham. The human one, or the son of man, the son of God, came to seek and to save the lost. So again, this is a fascinating story. It's a, it, I'm going to give you kind of a different persp- uh, perspective because, again, I don't think that we usually talk about it in the context of worship. But I want, what I want you to see today is how the conversion experience of Zacchaeus or the experience of him going from not being a Christ follower to becoming a Christ follower leads to an amazing change in what he worships. Because as I said, we all worship something. So what does this passage teach us, not only about worship, but also theologically about what the conversion experience is supposed to look like? So maybe some of you are in here right now and you wonder, am I saved or am I not saved? Do I really know who God is? Do I really have this relationship with Jesus? Or is this something to where I just happen to be a part of a church, or years ago I was a part of a church, and I don't know that that's necessarily real, what are some of the identity markers, or what are some of the things that happen in a person's life if this is a real thing? So we're going to get that as well, which is a reason to worship. So it's going to be very important. So this is where the first part is. What does this passage teach us, okay? Desperation, which is where he is. He never would have climbed that tree if he wasn't desperate. He would have not cared with where he was in life, especially because typically when we think about the outcasts and the people who struggle in society, poor, especially in this time, poor, crippled, broken, uh, non-Jew, meaning you fall into the Gentile crowd, we typically don't think about wealthy Jews as falling into this category of kind of broken, um, kind of ostracized people. They typically don't fall there. So what is it that we see? Why is it that he's desperate? Apparently, he's desperate enough as a short man to try to climb up in this tree to get a glimpse of who Jesus is. So desperation leads to transformation. And what is meant by this desperation, I say to you guys very often, and I'll say it again, I don't care how often, I'm a broken record. If you want to see the desperate, go to a recovery meeting sometime. If you want to see a desperate people, spend time around people who are just a few days sober or maybe they're six months sober, a year sober, but they're still on probation. They they still, of course, have the felony. They still have these things going on to where they're like, if I have one misstep, if I just talk to the wrong person, if I end up in the wrong place, I could find myself, I am so weak that I could find myself in that place again. And there's a desperation that is just absolutely beautiful and amazing. I'm as addicted to that to that environment as I ever was alcohol. It's just a wonderful environment to be in. So there's this desperation in which people are like, I have to have God. I cannot survive without him. This is not a casual thing for me. This is not, I'm going to go to church on occasion, or I'm going to try to be a good person, or I'm going to try to do these things. It's this, God, I am really broken and I need you in this amazing way. So in verse five and six, it says this, when Jesus came to that spot, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay at your home today, which would have been very common among the Jews. So Zacchaeus came down at once, happy to welcome Jesus. A little bit of background. If you don't have a lot of A lot of knowledge or information about the ancient tax collector and what this looked like in ancient societies. So Zacchaeus is considered to be the worst of sinners. All right. In fact, it's so bad. Have you guys ever noticed in the New Testament when the when the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes are talking, they often reference tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors have their own category. Like, they're so bad, they don't even get lumped in with the people who maybe uh, have, are, are in the, uh, cheating on their spouses, or, or, or hurting other people, or doing all these other things. They, like, literally have their own category. It's tax collectors and sinners. That's, that's pretty amazing. So, Zacchaeus, what he has done is he has sold out his people to become part of the oppressive and despised Roman machine. The modern day that you could look at it, look at this, if you if you know anything about Ponzi schemes, or people who swindle people out of all their money, raise your hand if you saw that Bernie Madoff on Netflix. Several of you did. Okay, so think Bernie Madoff. Think. Someone who takes like people that are working just to get by. And you have this individual that is completely pulling the strings and taking advantage. And all of their life savings and everything that they have is completely gone. So the Romans needed tax collectors that were local. And they found it advantageous to hire people like Zacchaeus. Because they could get money from their own people. From their own kinfolk. So this is not that he's even taking money from other ethnic groups. He is taking money from his own group of people. Now in exchange these local tax collectors pledge their allegiance to Rome. That's a big another big no-no and they get they're able to charge a nice commission. So he is considered imagine if you're considered by all of your people to be a traitor. That's the situation that he's in. And they're also known beyond that for being greedy because they're skimming a little bit of extra money off the top for themselves. But something happened to Zacchaeus on this day that has happened to some of you and it's an amazing story and this is what happens he recognized that what he worshiped which in his case is money what he worshiped was temporary in nature and the more of it he received the more unhappy over time he was becoming And I've heard some of you in here, as we've had conversations about accepting Christ, some of you who have recently accepted Christ, you're just like, my life was going in this direction. I wasn't at the bottom. I didn't have all these things to complain about. You may have not been in his situation, this wealthy, but you were like, it's like more and more and more. And there is just no happiness whatsoever. So what it did is it exposed his condition as an unhappy and an unfulfilled person. And this is the key to the story right here to me, and I think it's overlooked so often. So when he climbs up in the tree, do you remember why he was climbing up in the tree? He was climbing up in the tree to be able to see Jesus. But listen to this. Jesus saw him. Jesus saw him. So he's up there, and he's thinking, of course he's not going to notice me. I've made some mistakes. When I walk into town, I am despised. My own people want nothing to do with me. And some of you know what it's like when your family wants nothing to do with you. When you have this sense of shame and you just can't do anything with the emotions that you have. And most of the time, if there is a God, if people believe there is a God, well, surely this God doesn't want anything to do with me. Surely this isn't a life that I can have. But Jesus sees him. So think about how he's labeled, self-labeled, and also labeled by the community. Traitor. Cheater, outcast, liar. What about this one? And some of you have carried this label, disappointment. He's a disappointment, but he gets a new label. And I, I just think this is the most beautiful word. And listen, this is not a biblical word that you see a lot, like grace and mercy and all those others. But listen to me at this beautiful word because after this day, this is what he is. He's found. He's found. He goes from a place in which there's this bewilderment about his condition. And I'm getting more and more and more. And it's all all piling up. And all of the measures of success that I should have, they're here. All of these things. I've got the perfect spouse. I've got the kids. I've got the dog. I've got the vacations. I've got all the money. I've got all of these things. But he's missing something. And even some of you that are in Christ that struggle with guilt and worry and shame and fear, all of these things, sometimes just to be able to identify yourself as found. When you're found, you can't get lost. And this is the place that he's in for the rest of his life. And this does a lot for him. So this is what happens. Okay? So you've got this idea of of desperation. It has to start there. Unless you have a conversion experience when you're five, six years old, because I don't know other than candy that a lot of kids are desperate for anything else. But when you get older, if you accept Christ as a teenager or a little bit older, you know what I'm talking about, that desperation. I need God. What it does then is it leads to transformation. So there's not like some behavior modification. He changes on the inside. And this is always the next step. So you have desperation leading to transformation, but then transformation results in denunciation. So he is all of a sudden, now that he has this new life, he is ready to denounce all of these things. So a marker of salvation, a marker of of accepting Christ, a marker of being saved. Whenever you accept Christ, the things that were in your life that are not pleasing to him, they bother you It's different. You're different. You can't do the same things that you used to be able to do without this spirit of conviction directing you and telling you. So, in this point, you're ready to denounce things. Now, what do we say his idol was? Does anybody remember? Money. All right, it was money. So, what is he ready to denounce? What has Jesus done? Look at verse 8. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. I give half of my possessions, a rich man, a greedy man, a traitor, all of these. Can you imagine what this looks like? Can you imagine this transformation and how real this is? So he stops and he looks and he says, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone, I will repay them four times as much. That's a lot of money. Like I don't, I don't even know if he's paying because he's probably cheated a lot of people. So let's just say that he's cheated a whole lot of people and he's repaying every single one of them four times as much. He could have been broke. I mean, I have no idea exactly what this looks like, but this is a completely different man. So as a result of this experience with Jesus, he sees this thing that he values the most as a problem, and he pledges to give it away. That's what Jesus does. And I want to tell you this that since we're talking about conversion and this, this salvation experience, this, this experience of coming to know Jesus, when you experience Jesus, you change. You change. Now, now for some of us, it's slower. For some of us, it's more of a process, and God walks us through that. And that was very much the case with me. But for other people, it's like overnight, they are denouncing like all of these things in their lives. The question is, whenever you experience what you believe to be the transformation, is it followed and throughout your life, is it continuing to be followed by the denunciation, by putting the other things away, the old away, and also being happy about doing so? And here's the thing. He's not giving out of guilt. He's not giving out of, oh man, I really, really treated this person bad. I really did bad over here. He's giving out of gratitude. And he's giving out of gratitude because he consider, continues to believe. How is it that in my mess, with all my junk, with all of these things that I've done, that I'm forgivable, that he is going to love me? And there are some of you that are in here right now, and you may think there is just no way God could love me because my mom or my dad, they beat that into my head as a kid that I'm unlovable or every person that I've ever worked for or every person that I've ever dated or the people that I've been married to. I have been convinced over and over in my life how worthless I am. But again, you've got this little man climbing up in the tree I've got to see this Jesus. I've just got to get a glimpse. I've heard all these rumors. I've heard all these things. But today, in your current condition, where you are right now, and it does not matter what you've done, he sees you right now in this very second. And I cannot imagine a better story. I cannot imagine a better situation So Beth gives me a call the other day, because Levi has a hard time when I'm out of town. Okay, so he has a hard time all the time. And he got really mad in the middle of the night because Beth wouldn't get him something to drink, and he just trashed his room. I mean, I almost put a picture up here, but then you'd question how good of a parent I was. And and it was just like trashed. So my grandmother and mom call me, and they say on my way home, don't you spank him don't you spank him. He, he's, he's learning. He's trying to do the, and I'm like, listen, I'm not going to spank him. I'm just going to talk to him. I'm going to tell him what he did, and then when Cora's playing outside, he's going to have to clean his room, and he's going to have to clean every bit of it by himself. So I'm thinking, good parental moment. All right, so I go home, and I tell him, clean your room right now. Okay, daddy, I will. I'm like, I didn't Beth just try that. So I walk away, and Beth says, what is he doing with his hands? And I looked up there, and he'd taken one of those yogurts, one of those gogurts, and opened it and just threw it all over the room. And then he was doing this with his hands all over the walls. You feel bad for Levi right now, don't you? Because I beat him within every inch of his life. And he went straight to bed. But you know what I tell both of the little ones every night before, whenever they get in trouble? Because this is what my Savior tells me. Tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow's a new day. His mercies are due every single morning. Daddy's mercies are too. So he comes out there the next morning, says, Daddy, it's a brand new day. And I'm thinking, well, what's he got up his sleeve now? What is he about to do? But it's a, he's like, it's a brand new day. And he had a good day. But see, that's one of the ways that we can teach this kind of grace and mercy. You're thinking, I can't believe you beat that young man to death. But now I don't even know where I am. All right. But anyway, so the thing about it is a lot of people, whenever they talk about their stuff, like instead of having this denouncing moment, people just joke about it. Like they just make jokes about it. Like it's not a big deal at all. Like that transformation hasn't happened. And these are the kind of things people say, i got to get rid of some of this stuff in the closet. i got to get rid of some of it. I don't need it, but I've got to have it. That's the way other people say it. Or she just waits for that next package to come in the mail. Or he just waits for the next iPhone. You know, it's like we're just waiting for these things. And they make light of wanting or needing more and more and more. So this is what I'm going to challenge you today to today. Whenever you leave today... Lay it at the altar. Take those things. If if Christ has transformed your life, I'm not talking about living as a minimalist and get rid of everything. I'm talking about if you have a desire for more and more and more, and it is morphed into a form of worship, deal with it today. Because when we continue to buy more, accumulate more, it puts a band-aid on what's going on. And in that sense of unfulfillment, it just comes back. Proverbs twenty twenty one 21 says this, a fool and his money are soon parted. It's not something that we get to keep. So go home, reevaluate, and see where you are. Re- worship leads us away from excess. So Zacchaeus finds something that is much better. So we said, and we're talking again about the conversion experience, that desperation leads to transformation every single time. And then transformation leads to denunciation. And that doesn't mean for some people, you're starting to get rid of your stuff, you're giving away your money. It just means you have to clean the closet in in some way. All of us do. All right, but then we see that denunciation, what we think would make us sad, leads to celebration. And this is where the worship part, because you guys probably wonder, is he ever gonna get to worship? This is where the worship part actually comes in. His giving becomes an act of worship. And in order for his heart to be in the place that his heart needs to be, he says, Jesus, if I have wronged anyone, I'm not just going to make it right. I am going to give them four times what I cheated them. Because I am going to show to other people the transformation that has taken part in my life. And this is where it becomes an act of worship. Your giving in your life, and you may say, I'm not much of a giver. Giving must be an act of worship. Listen, if we can raise our hands in worship, we can give our money in worship. We can give our money in worship. We often view music as worship, a sermon as worship, the table like we talked about last week as worship, but rarely do we ever look at the act of giving as something that is worship. Verse 9 says, Jesus said to him today, like Jesus is saying, this, this transformation is real. What has happened in your life is real. Salvation has come to this household because he too is a son of Abraham. And you know what it is? And you know what this Jewish custom, what this meal looked like? A celebration. Like an amazing celebration because his life has been transformed and he will never be the same person again, again in his life. So in week one, one thing that I did, and I did this in week two as well, is I provided a definition of worship. And it brings this spring practice into full circle as we look at how it impacts Zacchaeus and also how it impacts you guys and myself today. So we said this definition, when we define worship, this is what we said. Worship is a way of pouring ourselves out to God as God generously pours himself into us. So as we are worshiping alone in the car, as we are worshiping together here um, as a family of believers, if we are worshiping at home before we go to bed, we are pouring ourselves out to God, and then what is happening is we talked about the, the libation or the drink offering in the Old Testament, God is pouring back into us. So when I am celebrating and I am worshiping, God is pouring back into me. So as we pour ourselves out, we are self-emptying of all the things that we take into in the world. For example, if you have a hard week and you come in here and you're thinking, "Man, I gossiped a lot this week. I said some bad things about people. I thought a lot of bad things. I hurt my wife. I hurt my kids. I, I, I said this thing that was so damaging. I thought these thoughts." It's a way of self-emptying ourself of the world and providing a way for God to do a work within us. So keep in mind that everything that we are willing to sacrificially pour out of ourselves in the way that Zacchaeus did, God is going to pour back in. So you may be thinking to yourself, well, it sounds like worship, but Zacchaeus, that's a lot of money that he lost. Think about the return. The return is eternal. The ret- Do you have any idea how short this life is? Do you have any idea? This is just like the What is it the song says? Fear is not my future. The appetizer for the main meal. This is just a little, little part of what your life is going to be. So he's thinking, I'm accumulating. I'm collecting. I've got all of this stuff. And he says, I'm going to give it away. Because what I'm going to receive through this self-emptying is going to give me so much more. So here is your takeaway today and i think it's probably different for all of us but i want you to identify what you worship identify what you worship it's the first place to start okay again we all worship something you could be stone cold atheist and you worship something all right we all worship something so can you identify what this is and i want you to ask this question does it make me happy does it bring a sense of fulfillment beyond what I kind of get in that moment? Is it something that really makes me happy? And maybe you would say it's God. And if, you, and if you would say that, that's wonderful. But evaluate your money. Evaluate your time. Evaluate your priorities. And you're going to be able to understand and see what it is that you worship. And man, it's so amazing to denounce it and to be able to turn it over. Because then you can celebrate. Celebrate. But then, number two, change what you worship if God is telling you that your worship is misplaced. And it may not be. Your worship may not be—and please don't think that. I don't think, you know, when I talked about worshiping your kids or worshiping your spouse, obviously you guys know to me that that family is a huge value. That the things that I do with my time, apart from this church, can I just be completely transparent? I've been guilty of worshiping church and worshiping church life. That's not the same as worshiping God. In fact, it's very different. But when you've got somebody that's got a motor like mine, that whenever I get my mind on something and I want to work and I want to accomplish things, I'm riding the exact same boat. I've just got my own sickness and my own weaknesses as well. But figure out what it is that you worship if it's misplaced and turn it over. Some of you may need to climb that tree today. You may need to get a good view of Jesus. And when you do, he will see you. So we identify what we worship. We change what we worship if our worship is misplaced. And then third, we worship God. Very simple, two words. We worship God. And my goodness, there are so many different ways and expressions of which we can do this. Praise is worship. Administering the sacraments is worship. Serving is worship. Proclaiming Jesus is worship. Preaching is worship. And giving is worship. So if we claim to worship God, there are three areas that I think that we should put place priority on. And this is where I'm going to end today. Prioritize giving to the local church as a way of life. Not giving God your leftovers, but prioritize. If we're in this together, prioritize giving to the local church as a way of life. Number two, prioritize helping others as a way of life. And this is the situation that Zacchaeus falls into exactly. You want to know something? When he said, if I've wronged people, I think I'm going to have to give them four times back. I think that faces and names, keep in mind, this is a really small community. Uh, one thing that the Mogans just got back from Israel and one thing that they were talking about is how close in proximity so many things are. You know your neighbors. You know the people that you're cheating. You know the people that you're taking advantage of. And I can promise they know you. Can you imagine the look on this neighbor's face, whenever you approach them, and they're like, "Go hide in the back," Zacchaeus is here. It's like the telemarketer, you know, "Go hide," Zacchaeus is here. He's he's coming here to collect the taxes. And then all of a sudden, someone does come to the door because he's so persistent. He says, "Man, I really did you wrong, and I don't know that I you could ever forgive me, but I owe you twenty five thousand dollars." Here's a check for $100,000. they are going to be saying two things. We love Zacchaeus. And there's something to this Jesus. And there is a reason that worship spreads. Same thing with the woman in the well just a few weeks ago. Because there is something to this Jesus. And then prioritize as a way of life because we're called to as disciples. Selflessness as a way of life. When you go to a restaurant, when you walk in the grocery store, when you walk in this church, when you go into your job, are you really paying attention to the needs of the people around you? Serving, an act of worship. Teaching, an act of worship. Praise, an act of worship. But will we give as an act of worship. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed this morning, I wonder this morning, like myself, as I've had to, I have had to preach to myself before I ever have the opportunity to talk to you guys, but I wonder if like Zacchaeus, that maybe you're able to identify other things in your life that have become worship to you and replaced God. I wonder if you're in a place right now where giving is specifically an area. It's it's not hard for you to, to worship with your hands. It's not hard for you to serve. It's not hard for you to do all these other things. But maybe specifically like with Zacchaeus, that's an area that you're just clutching tightly to. Maybe you're in a place this morning where you just recognize that that desperation has died down. And through self-sufficiency and on your own, you're trying to do the work yourself. I can't speak for everyone in this church, but I know that some of us, uh, through people that have reached out to me this week and, and, you know, conversations within our amazing community group, it's been a rough week for some people. It's been pretty hard and maybe this morning there's just something that you need to lay down at the feet of Jesus so that you can get that fresh start that you need father we come to you this morning and we thank you so much for just uh, continuing to love us God we've got so many different kinds of people that are in this church right now And, Father, I want to lift these individuals up, Father, and pray that if there is something that you are dealing with them uh, with right now, uh, a decision that they need to make or something on their heart that they need to reconcile, that, God, you show them what that is. Father, maybe we just need to come forward and, and praise you, knowing that we are entering into this week of prayer. And, God, we need to start early through Holy Week glorifying you for who you are and more than anything as we look at Zacchaeus in this moment God as we talk about worship help us to remember where we were and how far it is that you brought us and Father let that be the concentration of our heart this morning we pray these things in the name of the Father Son and the Holy Spirit Amen
0: We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we begin a new series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit believerschurchjc.com and enjoy the rest of your week.